You're listening to a Westpac Wire podcast. Westpacwire.com.au. With the number of women working in investment markets remaining stubbornly low, Westpac Group Investment Director Ladana Cora recently sat down to chat about this issue with one of the very few women portfolio managers in Australia, Yelena Stefanovic from Platypus Asset Management. Here is their conversation. Here at Global Investment Services, we're really passionate about women in investing. And in fact, according to Morningstar data, currently in Australia, there's only 10% of all portfolio managers who are women and only 3% who are co-lead or lead portfolio managers. And so what we decided to do was to highlight female investors, female portfolio managers, find out more about them and really try and think about how can we get more women into investing. It would be great to find out more about you, Yelena, about your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. No problem. So I um, graduated from Sydney Uni many years ago with a degree in economics. I actually started my career in an accounting firm. So I started work in a transfer pricing group of the tax services division of Deloitte. And I spent about 12 or 18 months in that group and really enjoyed my time, um, learnt a lot, gained a degree, a graduate diploma in tax law during that time. But the whole kind of experience, I felt a little bit like we were always looking at one problem or one slither of company operations and solving for one issue. And, you know, I, I was young and I wanted to learn so much more about companies, about industries that they operate in. And so um, it was very um, fortunate that it the opportunity came up to transfer internally into a corporate finance division evaluations team where kind of the workflow and the work type suited exactly what I wanted to do, look at you know, broader company operations, industries, assess um, M&A transactions, um, develop my valuations and analytical skills. And I did that for about another 18 months. So that was my career experience prior to joining Platypus. And then from there you joined Platypus Correct. As an analyst, was it? As a junior analyst in a team. So um, Platypus, I might give you a little bit of background, is an Australian fund management business. uh, We've got a 21-year track record as a growth manager in Australia. And what that means is um, that we look for companies with strong earnings track record, earnings growth track record, but also sustainable earnings growth prospects going forward. Mm -hmm. And we believe that investing in quality companies with those characteristics, um, when they're temporarily undervalued and or constructing portfolios in a manner that's benchmark agnostic um, is beneficial for investors and yields superior risk-reward outcomes. I joined that team as a junior analyst. Um, I have uh, since then obviously progressed and currently I'm the deputy portfolio manager and a senior analyst in our qualitative or a fundamental team. Yeah, congratulations. That's an outstanding achievement. Um, And so in terms of your day-to-day role, can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that involves? Yep, so there's definitely an still analytical aspect to my role. As I said, I'm a senior analyst. Um, I cover stocks in industries that are under my coverage and that involves everything from, you know, conducting industry analysis, ESG analysis, financial, obviously, regulatory, um, making sure that all the investment theses on relevant stocks are kept current, um, making sure that I'm on top of current news flow, etc., in addition to that, I assist our head of our team, Prasad Patka, mm-hmm. um, in portfolio 
portfolio management duties. So that's everything from uh, making sure there's oversight on all the stocks in the portfolios, uh, making sure that companies that we're invested in are progressing according to their stated targets and our expectations, mm -hmm. um, ensuring that um, our position sizes reflect our conviction in, in the company's ability to achieve those targets, staying on top of any macroeconomic data and news flow, and making sure there's always a fresh list of potential new ideas to come into the portfolio. So that's a, a quick summary yeah. of day to day. Very exciting role and a lot of different variation within it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so in terms of your, did you actually choose investment management as a career? How, how did that come about? Yeah. I, um, I have to say I was not one of those people that graduated from uni and knew full well that this is exactly where I wanted to end up at some point in my life. I was always interested in investing and I invested personally. But the, you know, investment as a career choice didn't really occur to me till later on. It was really a product of those career choices I made early on in my career that led me down this path. You know, as I said, I started off in tax services and I really enjoyed it. But then I realised that the bit that I enjoyed the most was that analytical and valuation side of things, mm -hmm. you know, of, of companies that I was looking at that led me to the corporate finance role where I really enjoyed kind of a more holistic approach to analysis and understand gaining understanding of companies and industries that I was looking at. But then I felt after a while that I was constantly looking at and assessing other people's investment decisions. Mm -hmm. And what I really wanted to do is take those analytical skills and utilise them in making my own investment decisions that I was accountable for and that, you know, I could kind of live to see the results of. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of that bridge, um, you know, from going to reporting to actually owning and, and putting those, how, how, how did you make that bridge across and, and what was that journey like? Look, I, I started off in the team quite junior, as I said, and having supportive people around and people who were um, willing to teach and pass an experience was a big part of my journey. And there's a lot in our industry that um, is not textbook learning, if you like. So yeah. it was very important to have mentors and supportive team members. Um, and I still have a very valuable mentor, with, who's Prasad Patka, who heads our team, from, you know, an opportunity to learn from him every day is really yeah. valuable. That's actually a really important point that we wanted to talk about was the role of mentoring. And I know that you're quite um, active in that area yourself with high school students. We'd, I'd love to know more about that. Sure. So, um, you know, one of the things that um, kind of always bug me, and it's a, it's a theme of our discussion today, is lack of diversity in our industry and what we can do to improve it. I do think that having strong role models and supportive mentors is a big part of any career um, to any, especially junior talent coming through the industry. But there's also that piece that happens early on before people make their career choices that we could do a lot on. And part of it is also raising awareness amongst junior talent that hasn't really come through the industry yet of what the industry is, what it looks like, what's the day-to-day -day job like, and you know, hopefully demystifying that process would ensure that more diverse workforce is attracted to the industry and comes through. So Platypus has um, been involved in mentoring for a number of years now. A couple of years ago, we, meant, we were involved in Lucy Mentoring through Macquarie University. Um, where um, I was a mentor formerly, it was in my name, but the whole firm was involved. I was a mentor to a very talented uh, young 
lady who was in her final um, year of studies in a finance degree and she was a very high achieving um, very bright student but you know was just at that stage of her life where she wasn't 100% sure of what she wanted to do once mm. she graduated and uh, you know mentoring is a lot of talking and supporting the person through their own decision making but as a part of that process Platypus also offered her a two-week paid internship where she got to experience both our qualitative team as well as the quantitative team and just learn about the industry. Mm. Um, she really valued her time there I'm still in touch with her she moved on to become a commercial analyst for an international consumer firm but she did really value her time in the investment industry and may find her way back yeah. at some later stage this year we are also mentoring but in a slightly different format it is with high school students it, um the sydney-based girls high school um, where the mentoring program is open to five gifted girls who with a particular interest in business and commerce in their year 12 studies and it's going to last for at least a duration of one term hopefully longer um where you know me and a, a couple of my colleagues as well will be involved in catching up for a business lunch once a week discussing various aspects of our industry but also guiding them through their own process of building an investment thesis on the stock of their choice. Mm. So giving them a real flavour of what the industry looks like and yeah. hopefully it sparks that interest in them and, you know, might pull them through the industry at some later date. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the time I think the, the, the real fact is people don't know what a portfolio manager does. They don't have the um, insight into that world. So if they get that insight, then they're more likely to choose that career path. Correct. Alongside mentoring, what other things do you think we can do as an industry or as a whole, as a society, to get more women into investing? What, what are your thoughts on that? Look, it's, it's a tough question, no doubt. And um, I think the fact that more conversations like this are happening is definitely a positive. It's, it's like any of these big topics like climate change. The more people think about it, the more people talk about it, surely it brings us closer to finding proper solution at one point. Mm. I think, though, as the first step, acknowledging that lack of diversity is a disadvantage is a very important process to go through. I think, especially for senior members of the industry, once that acknowledgement is made, then there is natural buy-in that something should be done about lack of diversity, because if it's a disadvantage, yeah. then naturally we would all want to fix it. So I think acknowledging that, you know, lack of diversity leads to groupthink and inferior outcomes, um, I think is a very important step. And then, you know, then it, it's up to individuals to identify, you know, their targets, their objectives, um, what are some of the, you know, issues that they might face that might impede their ability to reach those objectives, like raising awareness amongst a, a more diverse talent pool mm. um, and putting, you know, processes in place to overcome them. They will all come naturally after the first step I think yeah it, yeah is something that we go through yeah definitely I agree with you on that um, and I guess you know when it when you take a step back and look at portfolio management as a career from the outside and what you have described today it seems like it's really about problem solving it's about helping people it's mm -hmm. about um, not just the analysis and the quantitative and all of that it's it there is there is a lot more to it and do you think that there is potentially a, a lack of understanding or a misperception of that or 
you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, sure. Look, it is, it is about all those things that you mm. mentioned. I think first and foremost, it is about making sure your client's needs are put first. Mm. So identifying those clear investment objectives that your clients are looking for and having robust processes in place to make sure that, you know, the whole team can come together to reach those investment objectives is um, the most important part of the job. So yeah. identifying the objective and putting processes in place is a part of, you know, problem solving, as you described. Yeah. But um, that's that's the crux of the job, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned before, and I think it's a really important point about um, that it actually will benefit the industry to be more diverse and not only just gender diversity, but cultural diversity, yes. um, diversity of thinking, diversity of background. It's so important. Um, and, and what I love about Platypus is just this, you know, they've had stellar performance and I look at your team and how diverse it is. Um, to what extent do you think that that's actually contributed to your outperformance as a, as a fund? Yeah, sure. Um, we are, it's, it's a very accurate observation. We are a very diverse team, not just from a gender diversity point of view and cultural, but also professional backgrounds. Mm. We have a very um, great collaboration between our qualitative and our quantitative teams, and all of us have a slightly different professional experience so that when we come together and approach a problem, we bring slightly different viewpoint to the table. I think that definitely contributes to, the, um, to our thinking and the way we approach things. I might illustrated through one example dating back about five years ago, I think, when internally we were reassessing the way we um, approach ESG assessment and just, you know, looking at our processes and trying to identify if there was anything that we could enhance going forward. And as a part of that exercise, we reviewed a whole lot of different ESG external providers and a different set of ranking tools that those providers had available. And after considered and careful you know, review, we reached a conclusion that none of those ranking tools really suited what we were after. Mm. So then we brought all of our different thinking to the table and between our qualitative and quantitative teams collaboration, developed our own internal proprietary ESG ranking tool. And we utilise it today to assess um, all 300 companies in the index on ESG metrics that we deem to be the most appropriate. And the reason why that tool suits us better than anything that we could, um, um, you know, acquire from somewhere else is that we believe it has an alpha signal. So a poor rank or a declining rank does alert us to share price underperformance. And that was such an important step in enhancing our overall ESG um, assessment process. On the back of that, we redesigned our ESG engagement tools um, and, and revamped the whole process. So it's a great example of how different backgrounds coming together to solve a problem really adds value. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a brilliant example of um, something that you then you created from those differing ideas, mm -hmm. but also that contributed not only in terms of the environment, social governance aspect of that positive impact, but also the financial performance. So the both can really, you know, you can achieve both. Absolutely. What are your views on that? Because there's a lot of um, talk in, in the industry around you can't have financial performance and ESG, but you've proven otherwise. I'd love to get you, you know, more your sure. thoughts on Look, we are, we are a believer that great ESG practices also mean good business practices and overall better 
performance of the company. Mm-hmm. So we are definitely we yeah. have buying in the in that belief, and as a result, ESG assessment is completely integrated into our overall investment mm-hmm. assessment. Um, we don't utilize any negative screens, so we do not not invest in a company on the basis of ESG, just on a, on a rank mm-hmm. or a, a high level view. And we prefer to engage with companies in order to drive better outcomes from those companies that we're invested in. So um, you know, with all of that in mind, we have a very uh, comprehensive ESG assessment process. As I said, we utilise our proprietary ranking tool, which is quantitative, and it ranks all the companies in the index on quantitative publicly available ESG metrics. On the back of that, we have a whole lot of ESG engagement tools on topics that we deem to be the most material topics for a broader set of companies in the Australian market. Mm. And we utilise those engagement tools on a very um, almost systematic level. With a, We engage with a large number of companies, much bigger than what our normal investment universe would be. Mm. And that's very important for us because it gives us an opportunity to learn about what best practices on each topic are that we can then bring to the table when we're discussing um, in more detail particular ESG topics with companies that we are invested in. Um, we also engage with companies on a more ad hoc basis, more targeted way. Um, and, and we we leave that engagement for companies that we are invested in or are in the investable universe shortlist. And that can be specific to those companies. It can be a range of topics depending on what is currently um, you know, topical for that company or what is important. And all of those learnings from various engagement tools and our ranking tool, they all feed into our investment analysis and investment thesis on that company. Mm-hmm. So it is completely embedded because we do believe that good ESG practices do equal better overall business practices and hence better performance. I think I think we are getting to that point where now pretty much the majority of investors would agree and, and um, have seen that happen and actually play out in their portfolios. So McKinsey and company studies, they've consistently year after year found that gender and culturally diverse companies are more profitable, well, more likely to outperform financially than their counterparts. Um, and actually we've seen this absolutely true in the case of Platypus with your stellar performance. But in terms of your analysis of companies and specifically that gender diversity question on management teams and boards, and you know in Australia we're very, very far away from um, getting to parity on that, what, what kind of assessment do you do in that area? Sure. Yeah. So we consider ourselves to be active owners and in a unique position to engage with the companies that we're invested in to drive better outcomes. And in that context, we do consider gender diversity to be one of the most important engagement topics um, currently, especially. Um, my colleague, Kristen Lemesere, who is the head of our ESG and engagement, is doing a lot of work on this topic this year. So stay tuned. There'll be a lot more to come out from her team on that front. Um, in terms of what we look at and what we assess from companies, um, we collect a whole uh, gender diversity set of data for companies, for all ASX 300 companies, and we have done this for the last decade or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we um, acknowledge there's been improvement in the gender diversity metrics through that period, as you said, the numbers have stalled. And in particular, what we're finding that during this COVID period, for some companies, the numbers have gone backwards or they have stopped disclosing them. So as I mentioned, Kristen, my colleague, is doing a lot of work 
deep dive engagement to understand why this might be the case. Um, you know, early anecdotal feedback does ind indicate that during various uh, lockdown restrictions across different geographies, a lot of women have stepped out of the workforce altogether or reduce their hours to part-time because they've had to shoulder more of the household burden mm. during that time. It's early days and it's anecdotal feedback. And as I said, I'm ahead of ESG and engagement, Kristen Lemesere is doing a lot more work to, to really do a deep dive and understand why that might be and also what can companies do to overcome that problem. Um, in terms of some of the things that we also look at on gender diversity in particular, obviously we'll look at whether or not the company discloses their metrics whether then or not they have stated objectives on what they're trying to achieve, if they acknowledge what um, might be in their way to, of achieving those metrics and what processes and initiatives they have in place to overcome those um, objectives to, to, to reach those targets. We also ask them whether or not they disclose to the Workplace Gender Equality Agency. Um, all of those findings are very important to us and we assess the company across those different um, points because lack of diversity can allude to a more complex problem of you know, toxic overall corporate culture or unsustainable employee um, practices and so on. Yes, yeah, that's fascinating. And we really, we'll yeah. really be excited to hear about the result of your findings. And I'm sure we'll follow that very closely. Um, just actually as a last question, Yelena, uh, I think a lot of people who are listening to this maybe are thinking, wow, that high school mentoring opportunity sounds absolutely so fantastic and amazing. And, and if they had uh, children or young um, females who they wanted to encourage to go into that mentoring program, is that possible how, how would that work? <laughs> we are always open to it. Um, I'm always open to mentoring another um, young potential talent for the industry and guiding them through it. As I know a lot of my colleagues are, there's definitely a buy-in from the team. So I would just suggest coming through to the switchboard and okay. calling. Just reach out Re and reach we will out. be there. Okay, <laughs> so we'll reach out to your private banker or your global investment services director. Uh, Yelena, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear from you and really congratulations on being the three part of the 3% in Australia. That's, that's an outstanding achievement and we're so honoured to have have you and, and on our high conviction list and the Platypus Australian Equities Fund so that our clients can take advantage of the absolutely brilliant work that you and your team are doing. Thank, Thank you, you for so coming much. today. Thanks. That's all from us today at Westpac Wire. For more, head to westpacwire.com.au.